Let's bow before Almighty Yahweh. Father, we come before you today. We thank you for the blessings of this day. We thank you for your word. We certainly thank you for your spirit. We pray that we would strive to always follow you. We'd make you the forefront of our life, that we would do everything we could to please you in all our ways. Father, we thank you for all that you've done here for those, for those gathered and for those watching online. We pray that your blessings would continue to be upon this ministry. And Father, we give you all praise and honor in the name of your Son, Yahshua the Messiah. Hallelujah. Amen. You all may be seated. It is a uh, blessing to be here. seems like I haven't been here in a while. I guess it's a feast, and I hear some acknowledgments in the audience with that. For today, I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. Before I begin, I want to say that this is not a message on the Trinity. We've done enough of those here recently. I want to focus on the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit? And why is it important to understand this? It's a very important topic. So what do we know about the Holy Spirit? I'm going to give you a summary of some of what we know and some of what we'll delve into as we go through this message The word spirit, which was ruach, and we'll talk more about that as we go through, occurs 505 times in the King James. The phrase Holy Spirit only occurs seven times. We see the spirit mentioned all the way back in the book of Genesis, as we'll look at it more closely. We also know that the Holy Spirit was given to many in the Old Testament. Some people believe that the Holy Spirit is some new phenomenon we find in the New Well, that's not right. We find many examples of the Holy Spirit within the old. We also know that Yahshua spoke about the Holy Spirit before his death and resurrection. We're going to review some of those passages today. We also see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Very notable, by the way. It was poured out on a feast day. We'll talk more about that as we go through this message. We also know that to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, there are some exceptions, and again, we'll talk more about that today, but generally, to receive the Holy Spirit, we know scripturally that we must be immersed into Yahshua's name, and we'll show evidence of that in this message. And lastly, we know that the Holy Spirit serves as a guide and comforter, as we find within the Word. I want to begin with Genesis 1, verse 2. I always like to begin in the beginning, but we are literally today beginning in the very beginning. Genesis 1, verse 2 It says there, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of Elohim, it says, moved upon the face of the waters. Before the earth was formed, we find here that the spirit of Elohim was present. The spirit of Elohim is the same as the Holy Spirit. It's the same thing. Why is it important to understand this? Or it shows that there's a connection, I believe, to the Holy Spirit and Yahweh. The Holy Spirit is an extension, as we know, of Yahweh's power. Some will say maybe of his essence, but we certainly know it's an extension of his power. For those who may not know, the word spirit comes from the Hebrew ruach. Ruach, very important word to understand. Strong's defines ruach in this way. It's a very broad definition, but it says wind, by resemblance breath, That is a sensible, even violent exhalation, figuratively, life, anger, by extension, the region of the sky, by resemblance spirit, but only of a rational being, it says, including its expression and functions. We see that the word ruach refers to the wind, and we also see that by extension refers to life, emotions, the sky, and also spirit beings. It's a very broad word, ruach. As we find here, I believe the best definition, description of the spirit would be wind. Wind. Now, why do I say that, wind? Whereas wind is power and cannot be seen, the spirit is also power from our Father in heaven, which cannot be seen. We also know that Joshua compared the Holy Spirit to wind, in John chapter 3, verse 8. And we know that the Holy Spirit is described as a rushing wind in Acts 2, verse 2. So there's examples showing a connection between wind and the Holy Spirit. Again, both are invisible and both represent a power. 
We see here that the Ruach or the Holy Spirit was moving upon the face of the waters before really the earth was fully formed. This shows proof that the Holy Spirit was active from the beginning of creation. Really, before again the earth was fully established, we find evidence that the Holy Spirit was there, that the Holy Spirit was at work. In Job 33, verse 4, we find these words. It says, The Spirit of Elohim has made me. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. So we see that the Holy Spirit was an active force with the creation of this universe and with human life. That is through the Holy Spirit that we are brought into existence. And we know, as we read in the Bible study or the um, Torah read, the, the uh, evangel reading, I should say, that Yahshua was conceived through the Holy Spirit. I want to move on now and talk about some of the examples we find of those who received the Spirit in the Old Testament. We see several examples here in the slide to kind of go down the list here. Joseph, Bezalel, Moses, 70 elders, Joshua, David, Zechariah, Ezekiel, Daniel. We've seen all these examples expressly saying that they had or possessed the Holy Spirit. I want to begin here and just talk through this list a little bit and begin here with Joseph. We know that Pharaoh recognized that Joseph had the Spirit, had the Holy Spirit, after being able to interpret dreams. So in the case of Joseph, we find that it was his ability to interpret dreams that gave evidence of the Holy Spirit indwelling within him. We know that he was also able to interpret other dreams. He was able to interpret the dreams of the cupbearer and also of the, of the uh, butler while he was in prison. We also know that Yahweh gave him the spirit of wisdom to rule over Egypt during the seven years of famine when dearth struck the earth, or at least that region, and he saved many through the spirit. Now, in the case of Bezalel, we know that He was given the Spirit to enhance his given abilities. We see evidence of this in Exodus 31, 2 through 3. It says, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and have filled him with the Spirit of Elohim. So again, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. It says, In wisdom and understanding and knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. So we see here that Yahweh gave this man the Holy Spirit to increase his already innate ability in building and craftsmanship. I believe that often Yahweh works this way, enhancing somebody's already given ability. I often share this at baptism, how Yahweh often uses somebody's ability, whether it's music, whether it's maybe speaking, whether it's something else, that he increases that gift through his spirit. Now, it doesn't always work that way. Sometimes he gives that person a new ability. I knew a man, or actually, to be true, truthful with you, I'm not sure which gender it was. We know that it was male or female. That's the only two genders in existence, just in case you're wondering that in this day and age. But this person asked for the ability of music, had no musical talent whatsoever, from what I heard. And after baptism, they received, if you will, the ability to sing and and to play. So Yahweh can certainly give a gift that we may not have already. In the case of Moses, we know that there's certainly evidence that he had the Holy Spirit, very notable within Scripture. He received the commandments at Mount Sinai. He also led Israel during the long 40 years in the wilderness During this time, he showed many examples of Yahweh's Spirit working within him. I believe that it was through the power of the Holy Spirit, the Ruach Kodesh, that allowed Moses to divide the waters of the Red Sea. Consider that feat alone. He was able literally to divide the waters which allowed Israel to go free. And it removed many of those who opposed Israel with the Egyptian army. Like Moses, I believe that we too can be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I don't believe we put enough focus on the Holy Spirit and what we can achieve through the Holy Spirit. Here's what it says in Acts 1 verse 8. But you shall receive power, it says. Now this is speaking about to the apostles here, but it says you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So we see here again that the Spirit represents power. 
And ye shall be witnesses unto me, to me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So we see here that Yahweh promised power to the disciples so that they would be able to preach the word. We also find this, one of my favorite passages from Paul, 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, it says, For Elohim hath given us not the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know, in this day and age, by the way, that's very important to remember. There's a lot of chaos right now. There's a lot of evil. And there's a lot of deception. But Yahweh has given us not a spirit of fear. And we should always remember that. I spoke about that during tabernacles. We should never fear. There's a lot of things to be fearful in this world today. But we should never, never be fearful because Yahweh has given us not the power of fear, but he's given us the power to conquer, it says, of love and a sound mind. Very important. Now we also see in Numbers 11 verse 17 that Yahweh took the spirit from Moses and laid it upon the 70 elders or men. What was the reason for this? Well, Moses needed help. Moses needed help. Everything was going to Moses. And Moses desperately needed help. And this was the way Yahweh showed him to receive this help. And Numbers 11, Moses was near the breaking point. So again, Yahweh took some of the spirit from Moses and he laid the spirit upon the 70 men who would help lead the people of Israel. So we see here that the spirit also serves in leadership and guidance and direction, as we'll see later in the, this uh, message. We'll talk more about that. Another notable man, really probably right below Moses, was Joshua. This was an incredible man. We see in Numbers 27, 18, that Yahweh poured out his spirit upon this man, Joshua, the son of Nun. Think about all the amazing achievements that Joshua completed during his lifetime. For the most part, he conquered the land of Canaan. Yahweh said, this is promised to you. And for the most part, he was able to conquer the land of Canaan. <clears throat> and believe me, this was not an easy feat. This was not an easy thing for Joshua to do. As we see in the Bible, the people of Canaan, they were in many ways superior to the Israelites. But as we know, Joshua and the Israelites, they were able to subdue and conquer the land. And it wasn't through their power. It wasn't through their ability. It wasn't through their greatness. It was through the power of Yahweh's Holy Spirit that they were able to achieve this great promise. It was through the Ruach Kodesh. Now we also see here the example of King David. Nobody really needs to introduce King David. King David was a great man. But as we know, David was not a perfect man, but he did have a heart after Yahweh's own. And like Joshua, he too overcame great trials. He too overcame great tribulations. He was hunted for a portion of his life. We know that. We see evidence of the Holy Spirit in David's life through, through uh, things like his psalms and his music, his leadership, and the victories he had over his enemies. The most famous of these victories was his first, ironically, and it was with a man named Goliath. David did the impossible. Really, there should have been no way for David to do what he did. Goliath was superior in every way you could imagine. But David realized he had one thing Goliath did not, and that was the name, the protection, and the spirit of Almighty Yahweh. And that's how he approached this giant of a man. And as we know from the story, he was able to defeat Goliath in a great way. Now, in the last three examples, we find that Yahweh's spirit was given to those who prophesied his word. This was always a case, no matter who it was. Now, we see here by example Zechariah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. But we also know that all the prophets, all those who prophesied on behalf of Yahweh, that they had his Ruach Kodesh, they had his Holy Spirit. From this list, we find that Yahweh's spirit was used all throughout the Old Testament. Again, this is not some New Testament phenomenon. This is not something we only find first in the pages of Matthew 1. No, we find evidence of Yahweh's Holy Spirit in many, many places of the Old Testament. Now, I will say we do see an outpouring of the Spirit in the New. And we do see many more receiving the Spirit than we find in the Old. But Yahweh's Spirit was certainly, certainly active 
all the way back in Genesis 1 verse 2. It was active from the very beginning and continued to be active amongst Yahweh's people. I want to transition now to the New Testament, speak about some of the things we find from Yahshua directly here. John 14, 15 through 17, and also verse 26, but it says, If you love me, this is Yahshua speaking, he says, If you love me, keep my commandments. I don't know how people can miss that statement. If you love me, keep my commandments. And yet so many today that will say, we no longer need to obey the commandments. And yet Yahshua says here, if you love me, if you care for me, if you want to abide by me, if you want to do what I want you to do, here's how you do it. You keep my commandments. It says, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knows him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. But the comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, so we see here that Yahshua defines who this comforter is. The comforter is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Now, we'll talk more about that, but that's an important statement there, that we receive the Holy Spirit through Yahshua's name. He shall teach you all things. Who? The Holy Spirit. It says, will teach you all things. It says, bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. So we find Yahshua here speaking about this comforter. He confirms that this comforter is the Holy Spirit. So what do we learn here about this comforter? We see here that it's given to those who obey. That's the first thing we find here. It's given to those who keep the commandments. It's not given to anybody else, as we find. We also find this, I believe it's Acts 5, verse 32. We find additional evidence here that Yahweh's Spirit is given to those who obey the commandments. There are many who claim to have the Holy Spirit, and yet they deliberately, not ignorantly, but deliberately disobey the commandments. And this is not something we find in Scripture as we see here, to receive the one, we must be doing the other. If we desire to receive the Holy Spirit, we must be obeying and following the one we worship. That's a given. We also learn here that the Holy Spirit indwells within us. Very important truth there. Yahshua confirmed this during his ministry. That when the Holy Spirit would come, that the Holy Spirit would indwell within us as believers. As we'll see later, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit because of this, our bodies are the temple of Yahweh. You know, sometimes I'll say represent. I was thinking when I was doing this message, I'll sometimes say represents. No, it is. It is. Our bodies represent, or our bodies are, the temple of Yahweh. Again, we'll see this more as we go through this message. Now, it also says here that we receive the Holy Spirit through the son's name we'll see evidence of that as we go through this message goes on to say here that the holy spirit will teach us all things this is a crucial statement i want to expand upon this for just a few moments what do you suppose it means when it says teach us all things i believe that yahweh through his spirit can reveal his truth let me give you an example this is a real life example of something that happened to me years ago when i was working here at the ministry full-time we were national tv I was answering many phone calls in those days. I spoke with a man who watched the program, and he said, you know, I believed what you are teaching for 40 years. And I thought I was the only one on the planet to believe this. Obviously, this man had no access to the Internet. He would have known otherwise if he did. But it's actually kind of amazing how many people did not have access to the Internet. Many people watched that show that never heard or read or understood what we were teaching. But he understood this for 40 years. How do you suppose he understood this? No one was there to teach this to him. How do you suppose he understood this? Or I believe Yahweh was working with him through his spirit. I believe that Yahweh was working with the man for 40 years with the acknowledgement of the feast days and the, the Sabbath and the clean foods. But again, he had no acknowledgement that there were others in his mind he was the only one 
kind of reminds me of Elia, you know, thinking he's the only one, or this man thought he was the only one. I'll tell you another quick story, very similar story. This man, though, who called in after watching the program, he said he's believed this for 10 years, and he thought he was wrong because, again, nobody else believed it. And it meant so much to him to hear the, word, that the words we were teaching because it affirmed what he was believing and what he understood as truth. So Yahweh's Spirit can certainly work, and I believe that Yahweh's Spirit does teach us all things. I believe that it's Yahweh's Spirit that brings us into his truth. When we're struggling to understand something from a spiritual standpoint, I believe it's important that we pray and that we ask Yahweh to help us through his Spirit to understand it, to better understand that truth. In many ways, I don't believe we do this enough. Sometimes we just kind of rely on our own intellect. And Yahweh's given us a mind to understand, but sometimes he needs to reveal that truth, I believe, through his spirit. So again, it's important that we pray to him and we ask that he help us through his spirit. That's what we find here. That's what Yahshua says. Yahshua again says here that the spirit will teach us all things, especially those things pertaining to his word. So I believe it's important that we pray and we ask and we petition the Father that he... Help us through his spirit, as we find here through Yahshua's words. Now, in John 16, starting in verse 7, we learn that before this comforter could come, something had to happen. It says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient, he says, for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart... I will send him, or really it is a better, we know the Holy Spirit is not a person, it's the power unto you. And when he or it has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on me of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he or it, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you in all truth. So there it is again. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and it shall show it unto you, and all things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. We see here that before the Holy Spirit or the Comforter could come, what had to happen? Or Yahshua had to leave. But this is a reference to Yahshua's death and resurrection. Why do you suppose Yahshua had to leave before the Holy Spirit had come? I've often wondered this, and I believe I have the answer. Acts 2.33, chapter 2, verse 33, says this in the RSV. It says, being therefore exalted at the right hand of Elohim, this is Yahshua, listen to this, it says, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, Yahshua received the promise when he was resurrected of the Holy Spirit. He has, Yahshua has, poured out this, which you see and hear. Keep in mind that this took place on the day of the outpouring of the Ruach of the Holy Spirit. As we see here, when Yahshua was resurrected, he received a very special promise from the Father. And that promise was the promise of the Holy Spirit, which he then poured out upon those gathered on this day. In other words, I believe that Yahweh gave the ability or the authority to Yahshua to impart the Holy Spirit upon his people through his name. And I believe this is why the outpouring of the Holy Spirit could not happen until Yahshua was resurrected, because he had not received that power. He had not received the authority or the promise yet to shed forth or to pour upon those who would follow him. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit was contingent upon Yahshua's promise of his own resurrection. 
What else do we find here from John 16? We see here that the Holy Spirit will reprove the world. The word reprove here is from the Greek elinko and means to admonish, to convict, or to rebuke. What does it mean here to rebuke the world of sin? I liked how Barnes notes explain this. I'm going to share that with you. It says the word translated reprove means commonly to uh, demonstrate by argument to prove to persuade anyone to do a thing by presenting reasons. It hence means also to convince of anything, and particularly to convince of crime. That is its meaning here. It will convince or convict the world of sin. That is, it will so apply the truths of Elohim to men's own minds as to convince them by fear and sufficient arguments that they are sinners and cause them to feel this. This is the nature of conviction always. So we see here that the word reprove refers to convicting somebody of sin, that the Holy Spirit would convict people of sin. And we certainly see that in this, or we see this throughout the history of mankind, certainly since Yahshua's come and the truth of his word has spread. We also see here that the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. As we've already read, in John 14, that the Holy Spirit would show us all things. It's the spirit of truth. It shows us Yahweh's truth. This is why it's called, I believe, the spirit of truth. I want to spend a few moments now in Acts 2, verse 1 through 4. Very pivotal passage. This, again, is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. So they were in unity, as we just sang about. They were in unity. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. Again, remember that the word of Ruach, the first definition is what? Is wind. And here we find the Holy Spirit being described as a rushing wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and is set upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. We see here that the Holy Spirit was poured out when? Whereas we see it was poured out during Pentecost, also known as the Feast of Weeks, or Shavuot. As we know, important things happen during Yahweh's feast days, and there's just further evidence of that. We also know from the word that this is the fulfillment. This is the fulfillment for Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now, notice how it describes this outpouring. It again says that the Holy Spirit came as a rushing wind. Again, the Holy Spirit comes from the word ruach, or spirit does anyway. And it means wind, and we find here that this was a rushing wind. That's why I believe that wind is probably the best description of spirit. It's, again, powerful and invisible, just as Yahweh's Holy Spirit is. also says here that there appeared unto them cloven tongues of fire and is set upon them. I'm not going to pretend to understand fully what this was or what this looked like. I know there's many different interpretations, many understandings of this of this fire that came down with the uh, Holy Spirit. What I believe we can say, that this was a manifestation of Yahweh's Holy Spirit. But beyond that, I'm not sure what it looked like, beyond what we find here in the text. We also know that the appearance of fire, just as a side note, is often connected with the divine or the angelic realm. Probably the best example of this is when Yahweh appeared before Moses. How did Yahweh appear before Moses? Yahweh appeared before Moses in a burning bush. Fire is often connected with the divine. We see other examples where angelic beings are described as, as fire or having fire. Now what happened after the Spirit was poured out upon those gathered on this, again, very special day? We find here that those gathered, that they received, it says, a gift of tongues, the ability to speak in tongues. What is a gift of tongues? What is this? Word tongues comes from the Greek lasa. I'm going to define this from a few sources here. It says, Strong's defines this word as a language 
Now listen, it says a language, especially one naturally unacquired. That means it is supernaturally imparted. Thayer's Greek lexicon defines gloss as a language or dialect used by particular people distinct from that of other nations. So we see here that tongues or gloss refers to a known language. We also found that within Strong's as well, but we find it also within Thayer's. Now, Vines provides a bit more description here. It defines gloss as a supernatural gift of speaking in another language without it having been learned. Again, something that is divinely imparted upon those who receive this gift. In Acts 2, 4 through 13, the circumstances are recorded from the viewpoint of the hearers to those who hear to the, and, and whose language the utterances were made, it appeared as a supernatural phenomenon. And it was a supernatural phenomenon. It was a divine phenomenon. It was something that Yahweh poured out through his Holy Spirit. So what do we find? The Greek glossa refers to a dialect, refers to a language. And something, in some cases, in many cases, as we see here, is supernaturally imparted. And we find here that when the Holy Spirit came upon the group, that they were able to speak in other languages. Now, I will say that these were languages. This is not what we see within the charismatic movement. These were languages. In fact, if you look at the text here, Acts 2, we find 15 different nations represented all the way into Rome. Many different languages were there, and yet they could all hear one another in their own language. The miracle here is that everyone again could hear one another in their own native language through this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And we also see something similar to this in Acts 19. I'm not going to go read that, but you can look at it in your own time. But we see there that Paul came to a group of people. They were immersed or baptized. It was John's baptism. So they were, they were re-immersed once they understood that into Yahshua's name, and they received the gift of the Holy Spirit, and they spoke in tongues, Scripture says. But again, you can read that on your own, Acts 19. Now in verse 38, we find the method by which we receive the Spirit. Acts 2, verse 38, it says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Yahshua Messiah, for the remission of sins. And what? It says, You shall. It doesn't say you may, by the way. It says, You shall. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I don't believe there's a greater or more necessary step than for water baptism in this life. Through baptism, we find the forgiveness of sins, the remission of sins, but we also find something else. And that something else is a gift of Yahweh's Holy Spirit. So without baptism, we have no forgiveness. And that is a universal truth. We have no forgiveness. I should say there are some examples. We know the thief next to Yahshua is one example, I guess, of that. Or the Holy Spirit. Now, to the last point, we do know there's also examples. I just want to make this, clarify this point, of those receiving the Holy Spirit prior to baptism. But this is not the rule. Based on what we find here and in most examples, the Holy Spirit comes at baptism in Yahshua's name. From Romans 6, we also learn that those immersed in Yahshua's name will share in the likeness of his resurrection. This is, again, why baptism is so important. Because not only do we receive the forgiveness of sins, not only do we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, we also receive the promise and sharing in the resurrection of Yahshua's resurrection when he returns. We also know that baptism represents a type of spiritual engagement with the hope of becoming a son or daughter of Almighty Yahweh at the return, again, at the second coming of our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah. So again, for me, water baptism is an absolute must for Yahweh's people. Water baptism is a crucial step for all believers. Some believe that water baptism isn't important or isn't necessary. I believe the reverse. I believe that water baptism is an absolute must for all believers. If you're watching this and believe in Yahweh and are willing to commit your life to him and have been delaying that, I would encourage you not to delay baptism into Yahshua's name. It's that important. I 
do encourage everybody. If you're not ready, wait. But if you're ready, if you feel you're ready, and you feel you're willing and able to make the commitment, don't forsake baptism. Don't do it. First, we receive the Spirit. Not that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I spoke earlier that it doesn't represent. It is. It is. It is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you. But you have a Elohim, and you are not your own. You see, we belong to our Father after this happens. For you are bought with a price. Of course, we know that price is the shed blood of our Savior. Wherefore, glorify Elohim in your body and in your spirit, which are Yahweh's. Paul explains here that those who have been endowed or gifted with the Holy Spirit, that they are the temple of Yahweh. That they are the temple of Yahweh. Think about this for just a moment. Think about the responsibility we have as believers when realizing that our bodies and our minds represent Yahweh's temple, is Yahweh's temple. Consider the impact, consider the gravity, consider the importance, consider how crucial that is to understand. That our bodies represent Yahweh's spirit. It is Yahweh's spirit. I want you to ask yourself, am I treating my temple in a way that Yahweh would be pleased with? If our Savior came back today, do you think he would be pleased with how we treat our temple? Or are we doing things that we should not be doing? Again, knowing that our bodies are the temple of Yahweh, I would think that this would give us pause when doing something in defiance to his word. That this would make us think twice. That this would make us consider our actions that much more. Realizing the gravity of who and what we are now. We don't belong to ourselves. Scripture says that, again, we were bought with a price. We belong to him. Our bodies belong to him. We are his temple. And we must wish those in the Old Testament who desecrate by those standards. Consider how Yahweh punished those in the Old Testament who desecrated or did something wrong with the temple or the tabernacle or his worship in general. We should remember what happened at Nadab and Abihu, they were in sons. They offered a strange fire before Yahweh. They were nonchalant. They thought, what's the big deal? After this happened, Yahweh brought down fire and consumed them because they dishonored his worship. As believers, it's crucial that we realize the seriousness, that we realize the gravity of what it means and what it is to understand that our bodies are the temple of Yahweh and that Yahweh's spirit is indwelling within us. Paul in Romans 8, starting in verse 9, speaks more about this indwelling. He says there, Romans 8, verse 9, But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. But so be that the spirit of Elohim dwells in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Messiah, which is, by the way, the spirit of Yahweh, it's the same thing. He is none of his. And if Messiah be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Notice why the spirit of life by the way, is. It's because of righteousness, right living. But if the spirit of him that raised up Yahshua from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Yahshua from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. In other words, once we're immersed, we cannot live after the flesh. We cannot live after the carnality of man. No, we must live according to the spirit, as we find here. goes on to say, but if we live after the flesh, we shall die. You see, that's the consequence of living by the flesh. If we want to go out and do what we want to do, if we want to defy the word of our Father in heaven, if we want to live a life of debauchery and sin, that is the result. That's the result. And the result is very simple. It is death. When we defy the one we worship, when we go against his word, when we dare deliberately disobey Yahweh, we will die. It's that simple. But it goes on to say, but if we through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, we put our flesh to death. You shall live, Scripture says. For as many as are led by the Spirit of Elohim, they are the sons of Elohim. What do we find here? Or well, Paul speaks 
about the Spirit indwelling within us. He explains the importance, the criticality of Yahweh's Spirit, of his Ruach Kodesh. He says here that only those who have the Spirit indwelling within them are part of Messiah. This is such a crucial concept to understand. Those, only those with Yahweh's Spirit are part of Messiah. In other words, only those who have Yahweh's Spirit are part of, part of the body of Messiah. They're part of him. And we know, based on what we find in Scripture, that only those part of him will be resurrected at his coming. And as we find here, he's going to quicken our spirit when he returns. This is another reason why baptism in Yahshua's name is so important, because, again, we receive the Holy Spirit. And we will then, if we subdue the flesh, we will rise as new beings and also be part of Yahweh's family. He explains here that as Messiah was risen from the dead through the Holy Spirit, that we too will rise from the dead through the Holy Spirit. For those waiting to be immersed again into Yahshua's name, I cannot impress you upon you enough the importance of baptism, the need for baptism. Baptism is an absolutely necessary step. Paul closes here by saying, For as many as are led by the Spirit of Elohim, they are the sons of Elohim. If we are going to be found worthy, I know some people, they don't like that word worthy anymore, but it is a word we find in Scripture. Worthy of salvation and the promise to become part of Yahweh's family, we must must be led by the Holy Spirit. Now, what does it mean to be led by the Holy Spirit? What does this mean? Sometimes we see these terms and and um, they're not real tangible. So what does it mean to love or to love, to, 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 to allow the Spirit to lead us? Well, I believe this means that we rely upon Yahweh and we rely upon his Spirit. I believe it means that we have faith in the one we worship. I believe it means that we must obey and live a life of righteousness and holiness as Yahshua did. I believe that's how we are led by the Holy Spirit. But it's first and foremost believing in Yahweh. It's believing in him, it's believing in his promises, it's believing in his spirit, it's believing in his power, it's believing that he can do what he says he can do within his word. That is how we are led by the spirit. And then it means that we follow his word. It's a multifaceted approach, I believe. I want to transition now and talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We see this in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. It says there, now there are diversities or or different differences of gifts. But the same spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same master. And there are diversities of operations, but it it is the same Elohim which works all in all. For the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another the gift of healing by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse or different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, by all these works that one in the selfsame spirit, so notice, same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he or it will. So we see here that there is only one Holy Spirit. Some believe that there are more than one Holy Spirit. Some believe that Yahshua had a spirit, that Yahweh had a spirit, but we find in Scripture that there's only one Holy Spirit. This is an important truth to understand. There is one spirit which comes from Yahweh, our Father in heaven. There is no other spirit. So that's something we find here. There is one spirit. In verse 7, Paul again says this, but the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all. I want to read this from the NIV. I believe it provides a little bit more clarity. It says, now to each, now to each one of the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. What Paul is saying here is this, the gifts we receive through the Holy Spirit should be used for the profit or for the good, for the betterment of the body of Messiah. It's not to be used for personal or selfish reasons. If Yahweh was given us a spirit, a gift through his spirit, we're to use that, whether it's maybe music or administration or preaching or leadership, or simply being an encouragement to somebody. We're to use it. 
We're being merciful where to use it. Everybody has a gift. Everybody has a gift, and we're to use it for the building up of the assembly. How do we use our gifts? And I know I have some people coming to me every so often saying, I don't know what my gift is. I will say sometimes the gifts are not as apparent as others, but I do believe everybody is a gift. Sometimes the gifts can be simple. Again, sometimes they can simply be an encouragement to others. How do we use the gifts? Do we use the gifts? Do we use our talents for the betterment, for the good, for the welfare, for the well-being of the assembly? We see here that there are different gifts or manifestations through Yahweh's Spirit. What are some of the gifts we find here specifically? We see here the gifts of wisdom, knowledge, faith. So even knowledge is a gift. Some people know more than others. I have people coming to me and saying, I just can't memorize scripture. Maybe Yahweh hasn't given you the gift to memorize scripture. Not everybody can, and that's fine. As long as we're in compliance to his will, we're good. We don't have to memorize scripture. I had a person recently that was concerned about that, even for baptism. I can't memorize scripture. No, it doesn't matter. As long as we're doing his will, we don't have to memorize scripture. Now, if we can, great, awesome, but we don't have to. Faith is another one, healing, miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. Now, we know that there's also other gifts beyond what we find here. There's many gifts. I often share when I do my baptismal counseling that even things like encouragement and being hospitable, I believe, are gifts of the Spirit. There are some people that are just great at being hospitable. And you know who you are. We know who you are. They're just great at being hospitable, or they're just there to listen. It's amazing what a good listener can do for people. When we can simply listen, sometimes they're not looking for answers. They're not looking for a solution. They're not looking for a resolution. They're simply looking for somebody who will listen and hear them. Or some people are great at listening. And I believe that that can be considered a gift of the Holy Spirit. Preaching, evangelism, administration. Music, these are all also examples of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes they're very visible, sometimes they're not. But listen, all the gifts are important. Here's what's important to understand about the gifts. Yahweh has given different gifts. Why? For the well-being and for the completeness of the body. He uses the example here of the human body, and he speaks about how all components of the body are needed for a functioning body. He speaks about even the, you know, the, the insignificant parts. Everything's needed. Everything. We need our ears. We need our noses. We need every aspect to be complete. We need our hearts. We need our brains. Without any one of those parts, we're not fully functioning. We're not at our peak. Yahweh works the same way. He's given us all different gifts for the betterment, for the well-being of the assembly. Everybody contributes in some way. But listen, not everybody has the same gift. It would be pretty boring, and we would, frankly, be... um, pretty incomplete if everybody had the same gift or where would the other gifts be so there's different gifts and again these gifts are given for the well-being for the growth and for the betterment of the assembly just again as all body parts are required for for a full fully functional healthy body the same is true for the assembly for the body messiah we must all share and participate in the gifts that we've been given I'm going to close now by talking about something we should be all very familiar with, and that is the fruits of the Holy Spirit. I spent about a year speaking about this off and on, so I'm going to turn to Galatians 5, should be 5, I'm missing the 5 there, 22 through 23, it says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. We see here the nine fruits of the Spirit. As we've talked about in previous messages, the fruits of the Spirit are an essential part of what it means to be a believer. For example, we can keep the Sabbath flawlessly, and yet if we don't show love or compassion to our fellow man, then our Sabbath observance is of no value. And that is true for any other aspect of Yahweh's word. We can obey the Torah without fault. But if we don't have love and compassion, and if we're not generous, and if we don't show the other fruits we find here, then that will do us no good. This is why Yahshua condemned 
and it chastised the scribes and Pharisees. They were neglecting the weightier, the more important matters of the law. They were doing all the physical things just right. But Yahshua called them whited sepulchers. He called them hypocrites. He called them vipers. Why? Because they were forsaking the fruits. They were forsaking these essential attributes we find here. What is the connection between the fruits of the Spirit and the Holy Spirit? Well, it's evident by the name, I believe, that they come from the Holy Spirit. They're fruits of the Spirit. They come from the Holy Spirit. This is why they are called what they are called. If we're lacking one, of the, one or more of these attributes, how do we become better? Maybe we're lacking in love or maybe we're lacking in joy. That's a fruit. There's a lot of people that suffer from depression out there. Well, Yahweh's word shows that we should be joyful, shows that we should, we should be exuberant when it comes to his word and really life because of the promise we have waiting for us. But what do we do? What do we do? Where well, I believe to become better, we need to cultivate. We need to cultivate. We need to grow the Holy Spirit within us. You see, Scripture says that we are given a down payment, a portion of the Spirit. And it's up to us, I believe, that to grow that Holy Spirit, to cultivate that Holy Spirit, to allow it to flourish within us. And how do we do that? Well, how do we do that? We rely and recognize Yahweh's power through his Spirit. We also live a life of faith. And we also live a life of righteousness, holiness. We obey the one we worship. This is how we cultivate the Holy Spirit. We live a life of righteousness. We recognize Yahweh. We recognize his spirit. We have faith. We believe in him. Believe enough that if we have to die for his truth, that we will suffer even in that way. If we do these things, I believe that Yahweh, through his spirit, will provide us with these things, these items we are missing. I want to... I want you to remember today that the Holy Spirit represents the power. It represents the power of Almighty Yahweh. And it's given to us as a guide and as a comforter, we find from Yahshua's words. As it is written in the book of John, the Holy Spirit will teach us all things. I believe it is incumbent upon us to believe this. That it's important that we believe what we find within Scripture, and that is that the Holy Spirit will teach us all things, that we can go to Yahweh's Spirit and rely upon His Spirit to help us understand His truth. For this reason, we must never quench the Spirit. As we find in 2 Thessalonians 5, verse 19, we can quench the Holy Spirit. So we can receive the Holy Spirit at baptism as a promise. But we can quench the Holy Spirit if we're defiance to his word, as we find within Scripture. And none, nothing quicker will do this than a lack of faith or disobedience to his word. If we stop believing, if we stop relying, if we stop obeying, I can assure you that we are in the process of quenching the Holy Spirit. As believers, it's good and profitable that we pray that Yahweh would increase his spirit within us. And I pray and hope that we would do this, that we would pray and that Yahweh would look down upon us, would help us, would guide us, would be faithful to his promise to provide us with a great comforter, a teacher that will bring us in his word, that will teach us all things. And when we do this, we allow Yahweh's spirit to work and to dwell within us. So I pray that this has been a blessing, this review of the Holy Spirit. I pray that we would, again, seek the Spirit and understand the value of the Holy Spirit. May Yahweh bless you.